Hey, Jeff. Hey, Eric. Hey, Dan. Our brother's here. Hey. Hey, you like making great money, right? Well, here's a really cool opportunity that we had to share with you driving with Uber. Yes, Uber is that popular smartphone app that connects riders with drivers. We take Uber a bunch. Yes. We love them. Love and em. in chatting with the different drivers, some of them have really interesting stories as to why they drive with Uber. And you know what? We have a rider here today who has a great story. Tell him, Dan. So in December, I make a trip. To none other than exotic Oklahoma. Yeah. Why? It was a bachelor party for a friend of mine. Nonetheless, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State football game. After the game, we need a ride home. There's 100,000 people. So what do we do? We call Uber. Yes. Who picks us up? Hunter. Yeah. How do we find Hunter out of hundreds of thousands of people at this big college football game? His car has Christmas lights. Yes. On the inside. Hunter gave us a ride home. It was great. Really appreciated the ride. The next day, we're in Oklahoma still. What do we do? We call Uber, get back downtown. Who picks us up? Marissa. Mm. Marissa gave us a great ride downtown. Later that day, we call an Uber because we need to get back home. Who shows up? Marissa. Twice in one day. Marissa, two rides, one driver. Couldn't get better than that. Now, here's the thing. In Norman, Oklahoma, there seems to be a dearth of drivers. If you're out there, if you're in Norman, Oklahoma, and you have a car and a license, this is the perfect opportunity for you. Yes. There's something I know about Uber drivers is that they love being their own boss. Mm-hmm. They earn great money. Mm-hmm. It's easy to start. You just need a car and a license. And driving with Uber is great for anyone who needs flexibility. That includes parents and students. And now is the prime time to cash in driving with Uber. You will thank us later for telling you how to get paid every week. We could be getting into your car when you drive with Uber. Especially if it's in Norman, Oklahoma. You've got a car and a license. Put them both to work for you and start earning serious, life-changing money today. Sign up to drive with Uber. Visit drivewithuber.com. That's drivewithuber.com. Drivewithuber.com. Yo, what up? It's Eric, a.k.a. Secret Middle East Negotiations, a.k.a. Got My Peace Talked. Yo, what up? It's Jeff, a.k.a. Elliot Stuff, a.k.a. All Gould Everything. Hi, <laughs> this is Dave Ward from Chromio. <laughs> and this is a waste of time, but this is the real. Wow. Dave, welcome back to the Upper West Side. Yes. It's not It's not it's usual to have like a real like Upper West Sider come back to the Upper West Side. Usually we have people who come in here occasionally. You spent time here because... Yeah. Columbia was, University. Yeah, which doesn't make me a real Upper West Sider. No, you Enough. were a tourist. <laughs> um, yeah, I was. I was. Um, but yeah, I guess I spent like seven years up here. That's pretty good time. Yeah. yeah you did yeah. a bid. A lo- yeah, yeah. So you know the Coronet pizza slices. That's and, right. And the Seinfeld Diner. And, All that. And uh, yeah, so I, I, I know that. The Apple Tree Supermarket. Shout to the Apple Tree <laughs> Supermarket on, on Amsterdam. Yeah. 110. Did you? One, no. one. Well, I don't know. Did yeah. you go to Absolute Bagel? I've gone there a couple of times. Yeah. Oh, not oh, a it fan? It seems like you don't love it. <laughs> I don't do the New York bagels. Oh, right. You guys know that about yeah, me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm, I, yeah. So um, if there's one thing I know about you. Yeah. If there's one thing to know about me is I, I do the Montreal bagels. So. <laughs> a couple things to start off. First of which is that we have a whole bunch of cut up vegetables here yes. with hummus because you uh, were kind enough to invite us to the, I guess it's called like the Fool's Gold Holiday Party at your brother's place. That's right, yeah. I mean, yeah, your, your yeah, brother's yeah, old place. Yeah, yeah, right, um, yeah. When he still lived in New York. When he still lived in Brooklyn. Yeah. Um, and we we can't, actually, before we before we went down there, we're like, do you need anything? Like, what can uh-huh. we bring? Because everyone was supposed to bring something else. Yes. And um, it was a potluck. Yeah, it was a potluck. And we brought, well, we uh, were instructed. We were told to bring yeah. uh, vegetables, cut of vegetables. And we're like, wow. cool. So we were actually up in Westchester at the studio, mm-hmm. and we were like, we don't have a lot of time but we're gonna rush down back to the upper west side run to whole foods get like the nicest stuff we could cut it up bring some like hummus or whatever Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and race down all the way to brooklyn and we made it there on time brought like two big tupperware right Mm -hmm. if you can if you can be on time to like a six hour long party yeah 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 yeah, (laughs) Yeah, yeah. sure but but um our friends karen rose and nick catch Mm dubs gave us a heads up they're just like all right probably gonna be like 30 people or so bring enough vegetables. So we brought like two huge things of vegetables. What happened? Went through one of them. Uh-huh. Everyone loved it. And this like, is the second one. That is not the second <laughs> one. But at the, eight months. at the end of the night, at the end of the night, it was just, we were some of the last people to go. Uh-huh. We took a picture. We talked about some things in business. And then um, we went to get our coats from the bedroom. Yeah. Yeah. And we were like, and all right. Time. Well, we were like, we're going we're gonna to grab the extra Tupperware, yeah, and roll. A track uh, took the other one and left it in his like he took it and put it in his refrigerator. He stole our our oh. Tupperware, and we yeah. were like, "This is yeah. 
Very well, Seinfeldian. What's, what's the rule? I mean, what's the we, didn't know. Yeah, we didn't know. We didn't know. Because we thought, you know, at a certain point, it's very like, maybe we're like, you know, sort of giving it forward or whatever the phrase is, you know? Yeah. We're sort of... But isn't the rule when you show up at a potluck that pretty much everything that you bring stays the the property of the potluck e i mean aka the host including yeah. including the tupperware yeah, oh that, the tupperware that's itself <laughs> you guys want to i yeah, thought yeah. the tupperware oh so he stole the the actual tupperware yeah yeah oh that's strange <laughs> yeah that's weird well we we were in it like it was like a larry david like yes. seinfeldian situation yeah, then, we're like what do you do yeah what do you i mean you could we don't want to be a rude guest and be like well so we were like have a good one well you know thanks for having us we'll see you later weird and it is yeah. stayed there anyway so, we stay, we stole something else from your brother's apartment just to make we just up won't, for yeah, it we yeah, won't, won't say what a, it is you took a techniques table <laughs> from the gold ones from the DMC <laughs> championships great he wouldn't know the difference yeah. <laughs> but that was a great time yes you are Canadian mm-hmm. but you've lived in New York for a while 13 years and so do you consider yourself still a Canadian through and through or are you more American now <sighs> I don't know. I mean, I don't have an American passport. So. Okay. Really? Yeah, I still have a Canadian passport. So, At what point do you have to get one? I guess you do a green card. My brother got a green card. Um, so Did he steal it? <laughs> he hasn't? No. 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 That's one piece of plastic that he doesn't steal. <laughs> yeah. But you're originally from Montreal. Yeah. How often do you make it back there? Not enough, although I, ju- I was just there. Okay. Um, I was in Montreal last week. I went on a little vacation thing. but, but Parents I, still live up there. Parents are up there. Um, I go up there, I don't know, I want to say like twice a year, three times a year. Now, uh, last week's podcast, or actually last week since our podcast, we were shouted out by the New York Times, which is super nice oh, of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's one of those posts that you put on Facebook where like you end up where a lot of random people will yes. get in touch with you. Yeah. My high school prom date, who you don't mm-hmm. really hear from, she hit me up and she was like, congratulations, when I was in PR, this is a big thing. And it's like, I guess it still is. It's cool. Yeah. Um, when you put things on Facebook, do you find you have people from Montreal hitting you up that you haven't heard from in forever? Yes, although I, I'm not on Facebook and I don't check Facebook. Okay. Um, <laughs> but I, I do have a Facebook page. I think I log on like twice a year, if that. You go to Montreal more than you log on Facebook. Yeah, and when I log into my Facebook, it is a lot of old Montreal friends. Mm-hmm. And it's cool. I got mad love for them. I'm just not a Facebook person. Yeah. Right. So, <laughs> do you still have the same phone numbers back then? Uh, no. my Well... In Montreal, it was another area code. Sure. So yeah. it was actually my phone number in Montreal was 576-DAVE. <laughs> really? Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, you had to customize yeah. or did it just work out no, that way? <laughs> wow. I asked for the numbers. Um, that is fi- like the dopest thing I've ever five heard. 514-576-DAVE. Wow. Um, <laughs> That's like the Sir Mix-a-Lot of, uh-huh. yeah. Yeah. This is in the Nokia with the warm. Wow. That era. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Have you tried calling that number recently? I have not. <laughs> um, but I do have the same phone number as I had when I first moved to New York. So that's good. Kept it for, yeah. You haven't been hacked or you haven't had to give up your phone uh, plan or anything. You haven't gone Hollywood. That's that's the real message <laughs> right? here. Yeah, yeah. You've just gone New York. Yeah. Your brother's yeah. gone Hollywood, technically. He has, yeah, he has. Is he getting tan? He doesn't tan. He gets red. There's blemishes. <laughs> weird ingrown hairs start to pop up. He doesn't tan. And anyways, he travels too much. So Right. Mm. He's in Ibiza now, I saw. Ibiza, and he's actually coming back to New York tomorrow. We're going to chill for a day, and then he's going to go to L.A. to prep uh, Fool's Gold Day off Los Angeles. That's awesome. Speaking of Fool's Gold, uh, we've only been to the New York, Brooklyn ones, Mm. um, but we've gone every year. And it's always exciting for us to see the headliners, yeah. certainly, and, this, and all the acts. This year's going to be interesting. Yeah. This year's going to be very uh, interesting. Yeah, I'd say so. Uh, yeah. Meek Mill is headlining this year. Yeah. Um, but in prior years, you've had people like Juicy J and French Montana and The Locks and Cameron and... and Ferg, Rocky. Yeah. yeah. All, these, all these amazing artists. Which one of all those has been the most like affecting for you? Um, so I guess, I don't know if the, the people that listen to the podcast know my involvement in Fool's Gold because I, I might be the Chromeo guy. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah, so um, I've been sort of involved, you know, on a behind-the-scenes consigliere level mm-hmm. with Fool's Gold since the start of the label. Um, How and many people I, have you murdered? <laughs> I don't do the dirty work. Right. Murder, you know, yeah, yeah. I, I'm more like the guy who gives the kiss of death. Sure, yeah. <laughs> we've got the... Yeah, yeah. we got the shooters for that. But... Um, <laughs> Wow, um, I am you know behind that label and and I'm I I own it along with mm-hmm. A Track and 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 Nick and um, so 
I'm super proud of what they've done. And um, even though my my involvement is a little more detached, like Fool's Gold Day Off, I'm like you guys. I come out, and you know, we sort of. So it's it's always a really great thing, and 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 it's I, I'm I'm really I'm sort of honored to be a part of it. And it, it was a way for 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 Alain and me, uh, Alain aka Atrac, to, yeah. to to <laughs> sort of you know pay homage to. New York City and Brooklyn for kind of welcoming us and making us feel welcomed over the years and 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 sort of carry the torch that we felt was passed down to us from our elders aka like the whole fat beats generation right. the raucous generation you know all the guys that I came up under you know stretch bob nonfiction yeah. you know lp those guys so it was like kind of our way to like you know keep that tradition going and blend in electronic music and kind of stay really true to what we're about today and also like the sense of humor and and also like you know having nick catch dubs whom you guys know as a colleague on an editorial level you mm-hmm. have that kind of editorial voice to blend yeah, yeah. In with the label anyway so my favorite uh fool's gold day off let's see juicy j yeah yeah that was I a good think, one yeah because i felt like that was you know when things were starting to turn i mean you know lex luger beats and, yeah and sort of the new slang and and juicy had brought out the asap guys and yeah. it was that like super drugged up thing yeah starting and i i really feel like that was the beginning of a new paradigm that we're still very much part of for sure mm-hmm. um and then i thought last year um when french brought out like all this money um uh, Bobby, yeah, Bobby, Bobby Schmurter, Schmurter, yeah, yeah, the GS Nine guys, GS Nine guys, yeah. yeah. I thought that was really fun. I mean, those guys, just the dances were, just amazing, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know? The juicy thing was really awesome because it, it was a Southern artist who was just destroying in New York. Yeah. It was at City and Winery, fr- and nobody yeah. had brought him. No, yeah, and and A Trax had a relationship with him since the Kanye days. Did you know that uh, that they had a relationship? Yeah, they, yeah. they were tight yeah. since the Kanye days, um, like. Since Alan was on tour with Kanye, yeah, 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 CJ, and my brother is an old school three six fan from when we lived in Montreal. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah, and but when I say three six, it's not just it's the whole hypnotized mind. Yeah, we're right. talking. Yeah, La Chat. Yeah, we're talking Project Pat. Sure. Yep. We're talking Crunchy Black. Yep. Yep. You know the whole squad. <laughs> um, and so we've always loved those dudes. Little White. Little White. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Chin strap. I know Little White. Um, so him and Juicy have always been tight, and I think that was like one of that was Juicy J's first solo headline show in New York for sure. And if you were there, you could see the potential, which would later sort of uh, come to fruition through through Wiz and that whole team. Oh, I thought you were going to be like you could see that he was going to team up with like Katy Perry. Like you could yeah, see just yeah, I mean, great vision. <laughs> yeah, he's. I mean, he's got. He he does have a pop ear. Oh, and, for sure. But, but there's this other, you know, sort of weird accidental thing with Juicy J is that he happens to be best friends with Dr. Luke. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I mean, I think you guys must have read that article. Sure. Like yeah. 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 You know, yeah, so yeah. There's also a very sort of convivial, weird thing yeah. that happens with him and pop music. <laughs> um, but yeah, he's awesome. I mean, he's, you know, for, for, for people, for people like us who are really into authentic regional rap and also have a sense of humor. Yeah. yeah. He sort of exemplifies like he's one of the greatest, you know examples of that yeah. yeah i love when artists really hit their stride even if it's like a second wind what, later, later on in life, life. Well, that's yeah. the best part it right? is yeah I mean, a lot of them a lot of our I, I feel again like a lot of our favorites you know have had that sort of dual career i mean cam yeah, you know, yeah. i mean cam's had it a bunch but you know even like mf doom in yeah. a weird way right and then and then and then juicy and, and my favorite Eric example is like two chains two chains sure. yeah like, sure. love that I, yeah, he's sure he's late in rapper life but he's this yeah. is the prime of his career, yep. which mm-hmm. is wild. Somehow yep. I was very early on Titty Boy, and I was late on Two Chains. Hmm. Uh, <laughs> yeah, me too, me too, me too. I was yeah, I was yeah. I could say that I didn't get the mixtape Two Chains. I right. was like that, that. I sort of missed out on that, unfortunately. So when you when you met Cameron and and he brought Dame Dash with mm-hmm. him, what was that like for someone who? I mean, when we saw you at the Apollo and you were DJing yeah. ahead of the Chromeo yeah. set. You were like strictly Harlem stuff. Yes. Yeah. Which, by the way, just for the record, you played you played ASAP stuff. You played um, Big L. Yeah. You played Mace. Yeah. You played Cameron. You did not play Herb McGruff. I know. Rest <laughs> in peace. You did not play Mims. Yeah, Eric was very disappointed. Rest, no rest Mims. In, rest in peace, Big L. Rest in peace. Um, um, what's his name? Hud. Hud. Yeah, Hud yep. Six. Yeah. Yep. And and but yeah, I didn't play any Herb McGruff. <laughs> didn't uh, I? Didn't play any Mims. Nope. I didn't play. What else would be like? Lil Mama. Didn't play. No Lil, Lil Mama. Mama. Yeah. I mean, Mims would have been cool. <laughs> no. Uh, 
Um, sure. I mean, we went to a Mims concert. We did go to a Mims concert. Yeah, out in Long Island. He wow. played. Um, he played. Um, this is why I'm hot three times. Uh, and the remix. Yeah. So yeah. Was, you know, you it was, counted it was it as more. I mean, yeah. I, it was a lot. It was, it was a perfect day, I, Mims I show. I really liked that song. There, yeah. was, there, was, there was a specific time. Yeah. Two thousand six. Yeah. Which I think is going to come like that's there's going to be like a nostalgia. I mean, there already is. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, I, w- I did a random corporate gig this weekend, and they played Lumi D before I came on. So wow. maybe that's going to be a thing. Wow. Um, like yeah, like I guess like the like now we're still like at the tail end of like the Rockefeller Rus- um, Rough Riders nostalgia. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then maybe the next wave will be like the '06. I, I mean, yeah. <laughs> I mean, we were talking to um, Nick uh, Catchtubs, what, like maybe three or four years ago, and he was really excited about like the Mandy Moore uh, yeah, renaissance yeah, coming but back. He's, he's really advanced. <laughs> his, his nostalgia is way ahead of the curve. Sure. I can say. I mean, he's, I'm never sure what part of like the, the cycle he's in. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, it was cool. I mean, I to answer your question, I, I just said what's up to Cam and yeah. Dan. Like, my brother's really the one with the relationship sure. with those guys. And mm-hmm. I, I'm very much... Um, I don't really need to have personal relationships with my favorite musicians or artists i'm very happy to just enjoy them on record Mm -hmm. you know and and the guys that i'm cool with are sort of more personal connections yeah yeah, you know than 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 a track who's literally cool with everybody sure relationships with everybody yeah yeah, yeah. right so um but it was great is that because you've been disappointed by people no okay not at all no it's just because like i guess it's 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 more my personality. Mm-hmm. I, I guess you know. Again, I come from a, a literature background, sure. so I've always had this thing where you really separate the author from the artwork. Mm-hmm. Um, and and um, yeah, I just like. I mean, I say what's up, and it's cool when yeah. they know I'm Matrix's older brother, and some of them know Chromio. And I mean, I mean, uh, I've become cool with some guys over the years, but like. It's just it's it's really kind of personal chemistry. Yeah, more yeah. than like yo Cam, <laughs> you know, I love Purple Haze. Yeah. And, Talk to me about Mizzle, you right? Know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, yeah. I don't really. I'd rather joke about that. I don't need to. You know, yeah, I, yeah. I'm actually more comfortable talking about that with you guys in Minya sure. than I am with Cam himself. You yeah, know what right. I mean, like so. Totally. Yeah. But you, don't, I, I, you don't Chris Farley out on people, <laughs> right? Yeah. It's funny. I was walking. I was watching the documentary last night. Yeah. Oh, is it so good? Crazy. It is crazy. Uh, it's sad. It's too sad. Right. Yeah, but I mean, like, sad. is it well done? Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. There's been a whole bunch of those. We saw the Amy documentary, Amy Winehouse. Oh, I didn't see that. Um, there yeah, was, like you just like leaving your like the theater, and you're just like, you're oh, bummed. so yeah, yeah, like, yeah, no kidding. Yeah, it's a little bummed. Um, did you have you seen the movie The Wolf Pack? Yep. Okay, we saw it, and we ran into two of those guys. Oh wow! In I mean, Madison we, Square Park. We should probably say what the movie is. Sure, it's like right. a it's a a family of um what six children, mm-hmm. and I think they've more than that. But yeah. well, the, there's this, like there's the girl, yeah. yeah. But like none of them. Like I'm are allowed out of the apartment. Yeah, you yeah, got her. You got her. Let's go. Um, but none of them are allowed out of the apartment for the first fifteen to eighteen years of their lives. Right. Um, on the Lower East Side of Manhattan, because their father has a god complex, thinks he's very enlightened, and does not want to let them out into the city that he's chosen to live in. Mm-hmm. But also, like it's that the mother um, is teaching the kids, like homeschooling them, and the father um, is using whatever the state pays her. To because, live. He, because he doesn't want to like have a job. Like first he, of all, also, I got confused when that movie came out because there's another wolf pack, in, in actually in Harlem. Really, really, well, yeah. Like eighty nine wolf pack and we wildin. Oh. <laughs> wow, that that would be very confusing. Like yes. you, that's a very <laughs> you know that movie. song, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So so do you guys remember the story? And that's another. Um, and you're gonna you'll remember the name of the doc. I can't remember it, but there was. These rapes in Central Park, and they've got and these um, these Harlem teenagers got yeah. unjustly yeah. Yes. charged. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's yeah. a documentary that came out on that like yeah, two uh, years ago. On correct. PBS. Yeah, yeah on PBS. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it was done by um, by Ken Burns. Ken Burns. Yeah. And everybody saw it and everybody talked about it. Yes. Right. So that gang mm-hmm. um, that used to run in the park and and, and yeah. wild out mm-hmm. actually Wilden, That's they coined that term. They right. were called yeah. the Wolfpack. Oh, no kidding. And, yeah, and Jim Jones makes a reference to that. Yeah. I also, rest in peace, Rock Raider. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, he used to also run with those guys. Really? Rock Raider is one of the first guys who hooked up my brother with the dipset right. years ago. So, and, and Rock Raiders was one of my brother's mentors. Yes. So, when I lived on 122nd, he would, I mean, those guys would come over, we'd hang with my brother and all that and be like, oh man, I know all about <laughs> this neighborhood because, you know, we used to wild out like we were part of the wolf pack and stuff. 
And so for me, Wolfpack was always this. It was these these Harlem teenagers, and then some of which got super, like, you know, scandalously and unjustly accused of this rape yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, uh, pattern that was going on. Anyways, so now this new movie comes out with the Wolfpack, and I'm like, well, and everybody tells me about it, and I'm like, I've seen this movie. I know this movie. Isn't this a movie from three years ago? I know, I know all about it. In fact, I know the whole story. And I start rapping the Jim Jones thing, and everybody, I don't know if that's the Wolfpack. <laughs> It took me forever. Anyways, <laughs> I went to see it. I've, I've got, I need to know something about the movie because the wardrobe <laughs> is really on point. Mm-hmm. And like, I want to know if it's some like vice intern um, mm. who was like, all right, kids, like, why don't you wear this? Oh, right. Something we should tell the people is that um, to their keep, style to keep in, their I mean, minds like, you know, sort yes. of intact and creativity intact. They would reenact. They would transcribe and reenact full movies, yeah. like Pulp Fiction or Reservoir, Reservoir Dogs. Dogs or Batman. Like yeah. they made the full Batman costume and, out and, of cardboard. And the thing is I get that. Like I get that they've been living in a vacuum, and they, you know they they have um, they have uh, you know they they sort of made their their lives out of found objects in that yeah. apartment mm-hmm. in, in the Lower East Side, and it's extremely compelling. Um, but I think, you know, when you see that film in Williamsburg on a Thursday night, mm-hmm. right. and those kids are dressed like, you know, straight out of Beacon's Closet, but in the best <laughs> possible way, you know, I mean, the bolo ties are on fleek, and like, there's, you know, I mean, the coifs are just tremendous, and, and the denim is in shades of blue that you'll just never see anymore in a normal store. I mean, it's just so on point. And yeah. it's like, you wonder if someone in that film tried to play up the accidental hipster aspect of those kids. I wonder. That was my only thing. Wow, um, conspiracy theory. <laughs> conspiracy stylists theory. We yeah, should wow. have asked them when we saw them in Madison Square Park. That's yeah, right. we saw two That's of them. Right. What was the deal, you know? Like, <laughs> yeah. um, anyways, but it was a great film. I don't know how we got to that. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, let's take it back to Montreal. Mm-hmm. When you were growing up with your brother, uh, where did music come into your life? Like, obviously, your parents played you music or? Yeah. Um, our parents don't play music, uh, don't play instruments, but there was always music in the house. And um, I, I mean, I think this story is going to be super relatable to a, a bunch of people, I'm sure, including you guys. Yeah. But like, our parents are part of the baby boomer generation. So that kind of soundtrack was what we grew up with, you know, from Van Morrison to Dylan to um, the Stones. And basically, as I grew up and learned about music myself, sort of very zealously and, and in a very nerdy way, I tried to listen to the stuff that was part of the baby boomer canon that my parents were not into. So it could have been, you know, Hendrix and Zeppelin or whatever. I mean, that was like not really their thing. So I, I got into that and, you know, played guitar like everybody else my age, <laughs> you know, skateboarded and, 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 and you know, kind of just loafed around and drank 40s like every other teenager <laughs> my age. And, and at one point, you know, hip hop came along in the form of, I can't, remember if it was you know so what you want yeah. or cypress hill mm-hmm. um but that was kind of very compatible with the lifestyle and the culture that i was into and so what you want or cypress hill became the gateways to tribe and Farside, mm-hmm. and then tribe and Farside became the gateways to mob deep and nas and then after that it was a rap yeah i put away the guitar <laughs> you know i kind of did my homework watched wild style and style wars and started writing graffiti and, well yeah and, so and, and your name and, your name comes from your tag right yeah yeah so did you do the the four elements were you out there like b-boying nah, rapping nah, doing I mean, graph were you waiting the, the fourth element is waiting for yeezys online right yeah yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. yeah that's the yeah. fifth element yeah, yeah. <laughs> um we uh i guess i guess for us, it was like you just had to pick one element. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. you know, I was into graph, and then um, and then I, I I sort of pushed my brother to start DJing really young, and then I started making beats. You know, that was my thing. Everybody thinks that that Canadian hip hop uh, originated with Drake, including Google. Mm-hmm. I looked up first uh, <laughs> Canadian rapper, and uh, Drake came up. Yeah, um, <laughs> but Maestro Maestro has the biggest selling rap song ever until Drake came around in 2008. Wow. Canadian rap song you mean, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I don't mean like ever. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it's strange because I, I came from Montreal mm-hmm. and, you know, I think that Montreal 
on a Canadian level, Montreal hip hop might have gotten a little bit shunned by the generation of Toronto hip hop that preceded Drake. Mm-hmm. And there were some really great artists in there. You know, Socrates was amazing, Chaclair. I mean, but I I can name you other guys that we were down with. You know, Citizen Kane and 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 I mean, I never knew Cardi, but you know, we mm-hmm. were fans, of course. And mm-hmm. I mean, and then on the on the West Coast, you had your uh, the Swollen Members and those guys. Mm-hmm. It's funny because my manager, like to this day with Chromio, I mean, he used to work with those dudes. Really? Yeah, we met on on some hip hop shit years ago. Crazy. Um, but you know, Swollen were down with they were down with uh, uh, the Soul Assassins. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so they had that whole connection. Um, but yeah, there was a, a Canadian scene, and, and Montreal was a little bit marginal. So we sort of we couldn't kind of get on with the Toronto Cats. So we discovered, I mean, this is, again, this is when I'm like 18, but we discovered like the New York indie hip hop scene. Mm-hmm. And so in a way, my brother through Rock Raider and, you know, Stretch and Bob and those guys, he sort of had an in with those dudes. And that's how m- myself and, and A-Track, again, when we were still teenagers, kind of got down with Fat Beats yeah. and, and started putting out records were basically it's our like our homies from high school that used to rap and I used to make beats and A track used to cut and um and then you know we'd get an ill bill feature or whatever. <laughs> Again, this is like nineteen ninety eight, ninety nine right. or whatever. But but that's how we got on and, and we did it outside of Canada because we were from this like marginalized city where most people don't even you know where where rapping in English was secondary mm-hmm. you know because like most of the labels were signing French rappers and stuff so that's how we got on and I've got really amazing memories of coming down in New York and going to the Stretch and Bob show or going to the New Yorkian Poets Cafe for like <laughs> the, the Bobito night or yeah. or going to um Tramps and seeing you know a Necro and Cage show and again like Man. I'm 19 yeah, and I'm super right. impressionable but um and and this is pre Chromio and this is in my like sort of previous you know, musical uh, 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 experience. But I'll say this, like, one of the greatest feelings I've ever had in my life was to walk into Fat Beats and see my record there with, like, a little handwritten label of, like, oh, yo, dope Canadian hip-hop. <laughs> you know. That's so, awesome. Yeah, it, it's how we cut our teeth. And um, and then what basically, to, to, to make it super simple, like, it, it felt like the whole indie um, hip-hop, phase was coming to an end around the time where like everybody including us starting getting a little jiggier yeah. listening to like DMX and like you know all those Memphis Bleak club, club songs yeah. And, yeah, I mean Sorry Miss Jackson which was actually dope and a club records yeah. and then at the same time like a lot of the rappers I was working with wanted different kinds of beats that I didn't know how to make because I was really making like just like Lord Finesse beats you know what I mean <laughs> like, I didn't know how to make a Swiss beat I didn't have a Triton um <laughs> And so and so right at that time I guess I started listening to different kind of music and and the rap stuff I lost a little bit of interest or I also felt like I wasn't really equipped to make those kinds of records anymore and then I I, I and then P and I who's my best friend since I was a kid um started working on another project and that project eventually five years later became Chromio. So did you know from the beginning when you guys started working together that you were going to have programmed drums and it was just going to be you guys? Yeah. Well, yeah, pretty much. Because basically like we looked at it like, you know, I am too young to remember when Cameo and Midnight Star were popping and mm-hmm. also, and, or Hollow Notes for that matter, and mm-hmm. also like that's not what my parents listened to and also that stuff wasn't popping that much in Montreal to begin with, you know? Right. So mm-hmm. I really discovered all that funk music when I was making rap beats and I would buy pretty much every record imaginable with a person with an afro on the cover. <laughs> like that was my policy. You to know, sample and, or to, to sample. Okay, yeah, yeah. But, yeah. Then, but then the thing is like when you get into that mindset, you're also listening to those records too. You yeah, know what right. I mean? Like because I was friends with like record collectors and I was buying like the DJ Muro cassettes <laughs> you know, with all the samples on them and I was going to A1 here in New York. And it's also like if you can't sample from a record, you can just listen to it. It's great. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. It's the same pleasure. Mm. So there was a lot of 80s records that, you know, you couldn't really sample, but we would just love listening to them. Mm-hmm. And also P, my friend, was really into West Coast hip hop, so mm-hmm. he would love listening to them anyway. Mm-hmm. And we like that kind of music. And we've always been into, you know, weird West Coast stuff like DJ Quick and, yeah. and, and you know, but also like Selly Cell and like all mm-hmm. those crazy Jerry Girl <laughs> rappers that nobody knows about or nobody knew about, you know, in Montreal. Um, and uh, And so... We, at one point, we looked at it like it was almost 
the way like you know probably when like some of those guys were like yo David Axelrod no one sampled that and mm-hmm. then the Beat Nuts and Mad Lib were like okay and just had a field day and sampled everything we're like wait like all this like you know for lack of a better term or like just Jerry Curl funk music this 80s funk music like it's not about sampling but like no one's even referenced that right and yet it plays at every bar mitzvah and every like throwback at noon yeah and people love it and it makes people happy yet like no one's really and but it's all like these drum machines and there's a hip-hop side to it and there's a sense of humor to it and it's and it's and it's funny but then it's like really avant-garde musically and it's super risky and weird and we found a way to like it was like the ultimate highbrow lowbrow forgotten gem of music that we liked yeah pretty much and so we were like like okay like that's <laughs> gonna be our thing you know and and i think i mean looking back it's like i think that a lot of the bands that i relate to you know are kind of like dorky white dudes paying tribute to like black music that they love but there's always like a degree of esoteric mm-hmm. you know it's like when keith and mick were like learning about this really weird blues and buying you know chess records um you know from the chess label right. in chicago like just esoteric stuff and then you know you read about donald fagan you know listening to this very strange obscure jazz and mixing it with show tunes and very mm-hmm. kitschy music yeah. And I mean, obviously, I'm not comparing myself to these people, but I just felt a parallel you yeah. know, with, with the way P and I were so detached because we were like these weird second generation immigrant kids, you know, who are actually English as our second language. Yeah. And we're in Montreal, Canada, under the snow, and we're buying, you know, Rick James records and listening to like song three side B, <laughs> and like sort of picking it apart, you know, it just, it, it was compelling to us. Mm-hmm. And, um... And it, it 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 took a while for Chromio to get you know taken seriously and well, yeah, accepted and that's so that's <laughs> I think fascinating for me again someone well, like someone like Two Chains it takes a while for him to get to his thing in today's record business they don't do artist development anymore they no. don't let you I mean there find is a guy way. who's hired to do it that's right but like there's just no time to yeah. so or budget y- you guys like we we obviously celebrate your entire catalog. <laughs> But, I don't, but okay. Okay, no, no. I mean, <laughs> but look, yeah, yeah. I, 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 I you still it. play like a hundred percent, like live, right? Not much. Okay, tenderoni, <laughs> needy girl, and tenderoni. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, we have to. Yeah, well, I hope so. Uh, for us, you just can't. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but like, there's a lot of people who just know you from White Women, your your last record. Like, there's a yeah, lot of people. Who were introduced- but a, yeah, but there's also a lot of people for whom like Bonafide and Tenderoni were the jam. Totally. Yeah. And like now they kind of like the new stuff, but they want to go. I mean, it's it's. Listen, we've had like. What and I, I knock on because I hope it keeps going. Yeah, but we've we've had what any like artist can hope for, which is like many moments. Yeah, agreed. We've had the moment where we came out and it was like, okay, I like Fisher Spooner and what's up with these guys, Chromio. Mm-hmm. You know, that was like oh oh four. Mm-hmm. Then we had the like mega MySpace. Like, what the hell is up with Chromio? And I also love Justice and Mastercraft and Cut Copy and Let's All Go Party and basically North America discovering electronic music. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And that was another moment. Then we had another, like, 2010 Grizzly Bear and Chromio playing on, playing on the same stage like during this big indie revival. But, like, somehow Chromio's still here. Okay. <laughs> and, like, that's when our videos became really good. So, like, people were, like, gravitating towards that. And then with the last album, we kind of had, like, our... Like our our first pop look, yeah, and um, I, I mean, like getting into Vogue and the yeah, but also getting on the radio. Oh, true, crazy, yeah, you know, and, and into commercials, and into commercials more, and I mean, it's it's really humbling, you know. <clears throat> we we're, we're still learning, and it's weird. Like I always say, this like we're not supposed to be here, <laughs> you know. We we're we're well into our thirties. We don't com- conform to the norm of what a contemporary pop artist or electronic artist looks, feels, sounds like. Right, you know, right, we're right. total oddballs and somehow there's still interest in us and we still find it super motivating to, 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 to create this like weird universe that we've created. I think that makes mm-hmm. it all the better, to be yeah. honest. Yeah, I mean, um, it's awesome. You're not cookie cutter, which is great. We're very known. We're um, so let's take it back for a second. Our, our good friend Brian Reddy was the first person to hip us to you guys um, through MySpace. Mm. What did MySpace mean to you and how did you sort everything. of come to find it? Everything. It Who was in everything. your top eight? <laughs> A-Track. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Cool Kids, I think. Okay. 
Oh, man. Mastercraft? <laughs> uh, uh, Tom. <laughs> no, Tom was out. Turbo recording. You took Tom out? <laughs> you took Tom out. I don't remember. I mean, it, it would rotate. But, I mean, well, here's the thing is that, like, when we came up, it was like I had just moved to New York. I was just, you know, starting my studies at Columbia. This was going to be my hobby. And you had a whole um, new scene of New York bands coming out, like, post The Strokes. You know, and it was like Fisher Spooner and Scissor Sisters and The Rapture and Andrew WK and all that. And like we kind of came and our music was very different, yeah. you know, and it was also the beginning of hipsters. You know right. what I mean? It was the beginning of it was like this whole new paradigm. Wow. Um, you, you, you were hipster to hipsters. <laughs> maybe. Yeah. You yeah. hipsters of the hipster movement. Or like the least hip and not hip enough. I mean, right. You know, but you know but that's I mean? like so that moment, though. Yeah. And it was it, it was very confusing. But <laughs> but. That happened, and then, like, our first album came out, and nobody really got it, but, like, Needy Girl kind of stayed in the electronic community, so that was cool, but then, like, somehow MySpace gave us this total second wind, and the fact that, like, we didn't get much press or much attention and word of mouth about us in New York was... um, perhaps like divided (laughs) but then like myspace exposed us to this whole uh, this whole other younger demographic that lumped us in with you know whether it it be like french electro or mashups Mm -hmm. and we were like okay whatever and it worked (laughs) and it was amazing and and that kind of gave us a look for you know five more years so what's the measure of success in in that moment do you do you find yourself looking at the play counter and seeing it just going up exponentially yes and also like we getting more followers yeah Yeah. and then no but more than that it was irl too like i remember before so i spent a year in france Actually, I went there to study, but I ended up doing the Fancy Footwork album out mm-hmm, there. Mm-hmm. And I left in um, September '06, and our show was like Cake Shop. And we were so psyched because yeah. we sold it out. You yeah. know? And like, they were like, yo, 300 people came tonight. And we were like, this is amazing. Yeah. And this felt like the accumulation of like two years of grind. And then when I came back in the summer of '07, we were selling out Bowery Ballroom. Yeah. And doing all these like sold out shows across the U.S. And it was, I mean, to this day, it was one of like the greatest things I've ever experienced but you know it's always that moment where things click and, and, and that's what it happened and, and that's when we also became like a heavy touring band mm-hmm. you know, and we, we decided to really we cut our teeth on the road and um, us playing a lot and building you know an entertaining and compelling and funny and, and, and danceable and party like live show yeah. was a big a big key to our success and we still take our live show very seriously you know the the stage production is the whole thing and we work with contemporary artists and it's always (laughs) with us it's always this you know again like you could really enjoy it on a bass level or you can nerd out yeah and that's that's i mean you know being that we're it's a table full of nerds tonight (laughs) yeah yeah, you're in a safe space (laughs) yeah i mean it's a safe space but it's also you know it's a table full of nerds who love cameron yeah yeah and and that's I think that's very important. It's it's and it's very sincere. I don't think I don't think people like us enjoy Cameron ironically. We right, genuinely right. love Cam. Correct. Genuinely know every single song, and that's I'm including Confessions of Fire. Yeah, you know? Yes. <laughs> and I'm including the artwork to Confessions of Fire. <laughs> you know, and it's a sincere thing. It's not like haha, it's funny because really you wouldn't put yourself through that if it was just funny. Right. You know? And 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 that's what I say about people with chromium it's like yo if we were a joke band like the joke gets old it's right. been almost 10 years we're still here like there's more to it yeah, yeah and and i think i think we've been able to kind of ride that dual pleasure you know where you can enjoy it on a nerdy perspective and get all the references yeah or you can just have fun and dance and hey hi Happy, yeah, yeah that's that's our brother dan whoa yeah <laughs> yeah whoa there's a third there's it's a third the, how's that yeah. for a guest star yeah. yeah but he's not real no he no he's here he exists <laughs> he's kind of real no, dan this is dave dave dan wow hey dan okay. we're twins yeah dan and jeff are twins really yeah, yeah. fraternal obviously um Insane. and dan works for madison square garden Sorry, no Amazing. no dan's the real like and so <laughs> he's wow. the suit yeah awesome yeah, yeah yeah and you live here too yeah, yeah. three bed two bath elevator Amazing. door man yeah Amazing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's awesome. I mean, I, 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 you know, as you know, I have a, a younger brother, so I, I love the the sibling, uh, the sibling flow. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, you start touring around the country. Were you going to say something about that, Jeff? Well, I was wondering, like, you know, whose idea was it to have the the legs and surface, the yeah surface to air? Mm-hmm. Um, but again, like super nerdy reference. So, so, so I'm in Paris. We're finishing the fancy footwork record, and then like 
you know, I, I find this kind of crew of like really cool Frenchy slick art directors, and I and I, I get with them, and and they give us the whole rebrand, and and I, you know, we started a really cool and 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 sort of. Uh, fecund collaboration with them <laughs> um, sometimes I use words that are possible in English but they sound much better in French right anyway Fanute uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, um, from from French yeah. that's right that's right French Moroccan yeah. like me um, uh, so yeah so, so they had the idea but they took it there's a great video by ZZ Top called Rough Boy and there's a table with legs and and that's where we got the ref, you know. So it's always been that thing where, um, you know, if you want to get esoteric, we can go on a YouTube Google image <laughs> K-hole and show you where everything sort of came from and where we got all our ideas. And, and we're very open about the fact that we, you know, we work in a way that's like we don't claim to invent any anything. We just recontextualize sure. and, and, and personalize. But we're very open about the sources that – because that's the pleasure for us. Yeah, yeah, we're, yeah. We're, you know we're 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 diggers it's yeah it's the same mentality as when you collect records as a kid you know or sneakers or whatever you want totally um but we also we also like things to look slick and be enjoyable on a total face value so wait so you didn't like grow up on like hall notes and you didn't grow up <laughs> no, on like no i grew up on Van billy Morrison. joel no <laughs> yeah no, nobody knows what that is like, like, <laughs> it's not new york like no we grew up on i grew up on my dad's music which was you know Van Morrison and Bob Dylan. Mm-hmm. That's where it stops. Huh? <laughs> yeah, or, yeah, and yeah, pretty much. Yeah. I mean, and 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 you know, and and some Stones and some Beatles and and you know, baby boomer stuff. Yeah, sure. yeah. And then and then and then I got into like heavier stuff from that same period. You know, so like Hendrix and Zeppelin, and then really then like somehow you know we were like every other kid who's my age who was wearing fat pants and you know skating and smoking and and putzing around in the alleyways <laughs> trying to ollie and listening to you know like listening to cashmere and somehow so what you want comes on and it's like wait those guys look like us right they're rapping but they're not wearing polka dot shirts and doing the running man. <laughs> so this, they're kind of like us. And well, th- maybe this could be cool skate music yeah. or whatever. And then that just, and that's, that's when the rap. So comes. what does it mean? Like when you go to live from Daryl's house at Daryl halls, I mean, is that like, cause you don't have like that nostalgic. No, you know, thing, I mean, so it's, I, it's just I look like, at it like, an, I mean, I'm, I discovered hollow notes in 2000. Mm-hmm. Really, like I mean, I knew the songs because they played at the dentist right. when I was a kid, <laughs> mm-hmm. and so I knew "Kiss on My List," but I never knew it as Daryl Hall. I knew it as the song from the dentist. Right. Sure, you know what I mean. So it's painful. Yeah, but, well, it's cool. <laughs> yeah, but no, then no. you know, I didn't know there was like a drum machine in there, and like yeah. you know that it was called like Soul and all that. I just mm-hmm. knew it as dentist. Yeah, and then <laughs> when we, but when we get on the, when we when we made the Chromio mu- musical mood board, you know. And started like basically digging and like learning more about that kind of music. Again, like I, the first time I really became aware of what Hollow Notes was was you know De La Soul sampled them. Yeah, and yeah. That, that's because I did not know that music. So when I became aware of them, and I were like, well, they're amazing, and they're 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 you know this pioneering group and all that, and we you know we sort of name dropped them a lot because we felt we they weren't getting enough credit. I mean, so I go to Daryl's house. But I tell him, like, you know, my relationship to his music is, is there's, it's not immediate. Mm-hmm. There's, there's sort of like, there's, an, there's, there's a step between him and me. Right. It's, and it's, it could be Dela or it could be, you know, us starting to learn more about that kind of music. Sure. And, and I think he knows, but it's cool, but it's really not like, oh my God, I grew up on Daryl Right, right. Like for me to have that feeling would be. Live from Killer Priest's house. Okay. That would be you're like, yo, I grew up, you know, rapping like you. Or, or you know, rest in peace, Sean Price. Or, yeah, yeah, right, yeah, yeah, or yeah. Live from Drew Ha's house. Yeah, or yeah, live yeah. Live from <laughs> Pharaoh Mancha's house. Gotcha. Or, like, you know, what would be a large live cooking with large professor. You know, that would be like, oh my God, I grew up listening to your music. Right. You know, Daryl is more like, yeah. A guy, yeah, yeah. yeah. like you're dope. Yeah, like, yeah. I, I, I do. so it's just like any like stop on the press tour, basically. No, of course not. <laughs> no, it's, it's, not. I mean, it's phenomenal, but it's it's and it's and it's 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 an honor and it's amazing. But he knows that, like, yeah. we discover, right. He's happy because we discovered his stuff later. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, the same way, like when I see like a kid, 
a hype beast kid mm-hmm. who comes up to me now in Soho and is like, yo, Chromio, and he's also a Travis Scott fan, mm. it feels almost more gratifying than when I see the MySpace fans. I mean, because I'm like, yo, it's actually, it keeps going. Right, right. right so right. what Daryl loves about us is that to him, we're like the Travis Scott hype beast kids who still fuck with his music. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's the best feeling in the world. Dude, what is your favorite um, Hall & Oates song? It's funny because, like, last night I went on a Hall & Oates K-Hole. Um, yeah. I like the hits. Okay, I think, yeah. I mean, you know, uh, my favorite song is actually Adult Education. I was just, yeah, that's, that's mine. My yeah, favorite, yeah. yeah. Um, which is actually, it's not a hit. It's a B-side. Right. Got, but, yeah, that's my favorite song. That's the dopest. Yeah. 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 Yours, Jeff? Um, I don't know. I was just thinking about the video, though, for Adult Education. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which I mean, is, the videos are, they're brazy. Yeah. Yeah. A lot about them is just, you know, and, and I mean... And 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 P Thug, you know, still borrows heavily from the book of Daryl Hall style 2015. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. with the blades and the yep. the bootcut. <laughs> you know, I mean, I mean, but Daryl's our man. You know, and, yeah, yeah. and we're still close with him. and, yeah. he's, and it's just an honor. You know, but it's it's an honor when it goes from Daryl to Travis, who's also a totally. Fan, you know, right. and it's like I'm just happy that we're still in the conversation and that my music can actually dialogue with people from different. You know, for sure. Yeah, because 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 as you guys know, when we came up, you know, his v- music was very unilateral. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, and it was Mob Deep, Wu Tang, and you you could not really listen to. I've never heard Pavement. Hmm. I don't know what Pavement is. Right, neither have I. Have yeah. you? No. Okay. We, like, I mean, I know yeah, of them. We're all yeah. the same age, and yeah. we all came up the same way, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like when Pavement was popping, right, and you were like us. You could not listen to it. I don't know what it is. Right. I've never heard it. Right. Um, all these people that I read about sometimes on Pitchfork, like I'm just like um, I don't know who they are. Like <laughs> Nick Cave. Yeah. Don't yeah. know. Loco. It's me. And yeah. and it sucks because we're probably missing out on great stuff. But you know, one thing that's great in the in the era that we live in is that it's super eclectic, and you know, and and, and I think we all benefit from that. Right. Totally. There's way more dialogue happening. We interviewed you for MTV down in Austin City Limits in mm. 2012, yeah. I think. Um, same year that Stevie Wonder was there. Did you get a chance to see him live? Nah, I didn't. I I, I saw him in other contexts, but P saw him live a bunch, and he breaks out the talk box and he gets real P yeah. funk. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. It's insane. I mean, it I, is. You know those guys. It's like, it's tough, man. Like a lot of those musicians. I look at them and I'm like, you know, if bands like that level of musicianship, you know, I I would not have a job. Today. <laughs> I mean, some that's the other thing is like, but like, you're the CEO of your you know corporation, so yeah, you do you, have a job. You've got a backup. <laughs> People sometimes ask me in interviews like, wouldn't you love it to be like in the '80s playing alongside <laughs> Prince? And I'm like, yo. I couldn't play a long time. I wouldn't even be good enough to be Prince's guitar tech. I would get fired after one show. I wouldn't even be good enough to be. You know the local Minneapolis off-brand Paisley Park <laughs> funny guitar enough, tech. Funny, you know? funny enough, we have a friend named Fafu um, who, who was who Prince's was guitar tech. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, well, Fafu probably you know plays circles all around <laughs> me. So it's like you know, no, I don't want to go back to the '80s and, and play with those guys because we wouldn't have had a chance. <laughs> Our thing worked because it was a recontextualization. You mm. know what I mean? And uh, that's why it worked. You know. <laughs> Um, growing up, when did much music come into your life? Or early, if, yeah, early, so are they early. are they playing? Um, are they playing a lot of American stuff yep. on there? Yep. Oh, they are. Well, okay. they have like a de- like. There's some like Canadian like. Well, let me tell you guys something. Sorry to cut, yeah, yeah. there is. Canada in the '80s was popping. <laughs> like Canada in the '80s. I mean, now. Wait, who's coming up in the '80s in Canada? I'll tell you, but like now, you know, you go to Canada and it's very easy. To be like, all right, they still got the square plates in every restaurant and the purple lights and everything's fuchsia and fuchsia. And like, like, you know, the music might not. I mean, indie, you know, Canadian music is is incredible and it's sterling. But maybe like more mainstream Canadian rock doesn't make it to the U.S. And, you know, you could be critical, although Drake, you know, kills everything. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. That whole point is moot. But but. Canada in the 80s. First of all, parachute pants are from Montreal. Let me just say this. Oh, okay. All right. right? Parachute yeah. pants came from Montreal. Yeah, give that credit. Was- so parachute pants and bagels, two Montreal things. Just Dude, Leonard it- Cohen. I mean, <laughs> not even. But like, but in the 80s, Canada, C- Canadian pop music was 
amazing. And it was like, you couldn't tell if it was Canadian or American. So I come up, I come down here and I'm like, what do you mean? You guys don't know Glass Tiger? Or like, <laughs> you don't know, what was this band? I mean, all those amazing <laughs> Canadian bands that I thought everybody knew because they were playing on much music alongside. But then, you know, I re-listened to uh, Brian Adams' Reckless the other day. Mm-hmm. Canadian. Yeah. And like, sonically, that's like Dr. Dre. Wow. Like, I mean, that record, seriously, that is like, that's like the chronic of <laughs> 80s rock music. By the way, that is the best pull quote we're going to get. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but no, but really, like, Brian Adams' regular is like, sonically, I'm telling you, Dr. Dre would be here and be like, this is amazing. Who would be Brian Adams' Snoop? Well, he did. Brian Adams was a producer, but like, I guess right. like the side, Corey Hart, you know? In <laughs> wow. Like, yeah, yeah. And by the way, Corey Hart, like, is that, you didn't, I mean, when that was popping, it didn't sound Canadian. It was just tremendous yeah yeah, right. sure, yeah it was massive yeah <laughs> yeah you know so so i really have this theory that canada in the 80s was this crushing it on <laughs> pop musical level there's the, but then i come down here and i'm like well nobody knows thompson twins <laughs> or like i'm looking for them in the karaoke book and they're not there <laughs> but thompson twins they were from like australia weren't oh, they? oh really see yeah. i couldn't tell it was the commonwealth well i, couldn't I tell. thought that engelbert humperdinck was from canada but he was from britain and i yeah. thought that helen reddy was from canada but she's from uh, australia and, just, then, and then yeah thomas dolby i was never sure mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, there's a lot of these people where I'm, i was never sure well do all canadians know each other number one that is a good question mm. <laughs> well here in the city you must run into a lot of canadians no. and just, really no or that you just can't tell <laughs> but I don't know all the other Canadians like it's Nelly Furtado. Don't know her. Bare naked ladies. Don't know them. Uh, um, Never met them. But I fucks with them heavy, and <laughs> they are in many ways ancestors to Chromio. Sure. Yeah. Um, uh, Do you know Sloane from Entourage? <laughs> Is she Canadian? She's actually from Montreal. Oh, yeah, no. She's yeah, no, I, yeah. her. Her I've stalked. But, okay. Um, <laughs> I don't know her. Was she in your top eight? Personal. Yeah. <laughs> she's uh, she's Jewish Moroccan, I think. Really? Um, yeah. But but uh but uh yeah, no, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. But I don't even know I'm not even tight with guys I should be tight with, like Mr. Morgan, you know, who works mm-hmm. with yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. You guys know him in yeah, yeah. My yeah. brother knows him, but like me and Morgan don't really like not no beef. It's just yeah. so mm-hmm. weird that we don't run into each other more. Right. You should go to more Brooklyn Nets games. Or that's, you should go to Canada. Right. Everybody <laughs> should go to Canada. Yeah. It's weird. But anyways, I don't run into that many Canadians. It's great to run into Canadians. Uh, Do you have a secret handshake? Is there a... No, but like, you know, the ketchup chips joke. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of cool shared experiences and, it, and it's a vibe. Yeah. So for this, for the last, for, for, uh, for white women, you had an amazing rollout. We loved how you had uh, down at Milk. It was yeah. everything. Everything was white there, yeah. Yeah. Um, including the including the car. Yeah. Yeah. car. Well, yeah, we just wanted to have fun with it because, again, like it's like how do you create that moment when where you know you're a band that's been around for for you know three albums already. This is your fourth album, and how do you get people excited again? And also, how do you reinsert yourself in in a new context? Yeah, that's mm. what we did, and we took a time to do it, and I think it, it worked. And so you guys. You and P sort of like hold yourself into your studio in in Brooklyn, right? Yeah. To make this album? Yeah. Um, in the last one, yeah. We're, we're changing it up for this well, one. Well, so, yeah. So I was going to ask, now that you're in commercials and you're playing Made in America and you're touring all the time on a bigger yeah. level, yeah. you're on the radio. We're on the radio. We're playing Central Park, selling it out. When do you ask... Or sorry, when do you tell Atlantic and Big Beat, hey, we're going to Paris and we're going to rent out like a mansion like Rolling Stones did? No, I ain't doing that. Okay. <laughs> it, it wasn't in Paris; it was in the south of France. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. south of France. <laughs> um, no, we're not doing any of that. But do you need that change of scenery? But we are. I am like. I am like. You know, I am doing stuff like. All right, like this new Jason Derulo song, sounds like the kind of stuff I do mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. it's and I kind of really like it mm-hmm. and like who did that song and yes Atlantic can you put me in touch with him mm-hmm. and then I get in touch with him happens so happens it's a super chromio fan and Derulo's a super chromio fan amazing and like, yo let's hang out let's make music in LA can you get Jason Derulo to say Jason Derulo on your song <laughs> obviously like the best song on on planet earth you know civilization right now is like the weekend song yes right and Canadian, yeah, 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 and 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 like it's the whole thing's amazing, and it's like kind of almost makes me want to just you know <laughs> go back to Colombia and finish my PhD. <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing right now, but like it's great. But the weekends, 
he's already the coolest guy in the world. Mm-hmm. You know, so the coolest guy in the world makes the coolest song in the world. It's great. But, like, you got to give it to my man Derulo because Derulo's, like, walking with the funny faux hawk and, like, <laughs> no one's walking around in our circles, you know, being like, oh, I'm a Derulo fan. But his new song is cool and great and it's way harder to make somebody like Derulo cool in our very cynical, jaded circle. Sure. You know, so no, you're I'm right. kind of, like, I kind of, like, to me, he's, like, the underdog in that song of the year thing with that song because <laughs> it's, it's, he, he had way more to do yeah, 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 you know, yeah. to get on my iPod. True, right. You know, the, weekend, the weekend gets on my iPod. It's like you too like he's just there yeah yeah, yeah. He's, yeah. He's like he's it's like it's you know it's like it's you know it's like chinks drugs like right whatever, right rest right in peace. like whatever yeah, or max yeah. b or or french whatever those guys do we buy right yeah derulo i'm surprised i'm buying a derulo record i'm surprised you are too i actually don't know if i know it yo that song is so good what song is uh, it want to want me i don't know it. it by the way it's some straight up 80s like electro stuff yeah. That's crazy. I yeah, feel like it's dope. we were it supposed to do dope. something with him like years ago. You should. No? Yeah. Well, yeah, now I mean, now it's too you late. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, <laughs> now, just some just some quick ones from some notes we we yep. just thought of beforehand. Um, are you allowed to drop by the Columbia campus whenever you want and just sort of like yeah. give sit. a guest lecture? Not lecture. Okay. Oh, I don't. No, nah, not. Like can that. you can you just sit in the classroom and like watch? Uh, maybe I could. Okay. I think, I You're not like I like could audit. The Pope Emeritus that you can like just you know go wherever you want. No, <laughs> no, but um, but I went up, I went back there a couple of weeks ago just to like. Oh, nice. Yeah. Speaking of college, and and you mentioned Minya before. Um, that's misinfo for everyone who doesn't know. Uh, she, she's an alum from Columbia, right? She yeah, is, yeah. yeah. And also, uh, she has a one uh, hundred day old, old baby. baby. I saw that. Yeah. Um, yep. We were on the phone with her a couple weeks ago, and she said that she wasn't sure. That college would be relevant by the time her son, you know, was eighteen and ready to go. Whoa. What do yeah. you think about that? Um, I don't want to challenge that. <laughs> I, I'd have to get the context because, like, Minya's a really, really smart woman. Yeah, and like, she probably has compelling uh, reasons to say that. But I am also very much a fan of like the humanities and the, mm-hmm. and the canon. Mm-hmm. And you know, I. I also socially doesn't I mean, it like yeah. sort of yeah, well, not, not mean, to I, not I, to I, bastardize I, her argument but basically it was she was saying that kids who are born now will probably end up going to associate's degree schools or like you know technical schools or schools that are just like directed towards whatever you are, she, are supposed to and she do also felt job. like like younger and younger people are are creating their own businesses sure. and yeah. finding success at a point where they don't need to sort of yeah that's fine but it's like but to me, that's like all the more reason to take three years of your life, go sleep in a weird bed and read Plato. Because mm-hmm. you're not, ne- I mean, because to me, counterintuitively, it's because that stuff is less and less readily accessible that we've got to force ourselves for three to four years and read Heidegger just so that stuff doesn't die because it's part of Western culture. And by the way, it's not just, I'm not just talking about dead old white men. I mean, right. it could be, you know film school where you study Spike Lee Lee flicks or, you know, American literature and so on. But, like, studying these works of art that are part of, you know, the Western tradition, for lack of a better term, and and let's make that as broad as possible, Mm -hmm. it's not obvious and automatic in today's context to become acquainted with them. Right. So, for me, it's like all the more reason to send your kid to college for three years. Let him learn that. Let that live with him. Let that guide him through life. Mm-hmm. And then he can go back and start his own business and, and make money straight off the iPhone and do what he does. <laughs> it's all good. You know yeah. what I mean? All I do good. feel like kids today, like they the Wikipediaization of kids, where it's mm-hmm. like everything is accessible. And so, like, you know, all you have to do is just read the first paragraph of Richard Wright's, oh. um, you know, biography or whatever and mm-hmm. be like, oh, OK, well, that's that's Black Boy. You right. know, I, I know mm-hmm. what Black Boy is, you know. Um, yeah, there's there's it, you find that maybe college or, or like kind of a more formal introduction to that will add layers. Yeah, I mean, 100 percent. Yeah. yeah, I think so. How did you meet? How did you first meet Solange? Mm. And it, and will she definitely be a part of your third project in a row? <laughs> Considering, yeah, I know, right. Um, I met him. Th- I met her through Alain. Mm-hmm. My track. Um, mm-hmm. He knows everybody. <laughs> knows everybody, and he was, was friends with her on in the MySpace days. Okay, and she was a fan of Chromeo, and she's super hip. And yeah, I love working with her. I don't know if she'll be on this next album. I'd love it. It it would be a thing. Yeah, you know. Um, Has she ever asked you to work on one of her projects? 
She hasn't. Okay. But I don't feel a way about that. Yeah, no, no. You know, she's got her own curious. thing. And, and actually, that's not true. She has. Oh, cool. That's not even true. She had in the early days pre, um, uh, pre like I want to say 2010, she mentioned it. She was like, you guys should come to the house and all that, you know, so hmm. that's not even true. Yeah. Why did your parents double down on making your brother's name very French? That's so weird. Right? I know. <laughs> yeah. I'm David. Yeah. Isn't, like, isn't, isn't there a thing where in a lot of the times, like, the oldest son is called David or... I mean, I, I'm, I'm Eric. And, yeah. Yeah, I don't you know. know. <laughs> it's weird, right? Like, yeah, and they, and they gave him this super French name. I don't... I never quite figure that one out. <laughs> I will say as an American... American. Alon. Um, yeah, just I'm like, just like, I don't know... Everyone. Alon, Elaine. I mean, poor guy. <laughs> yeah. But but Alain is a really cool, stylish name, and I'm happy he has it. And also, yeah. very it kind of fits him. You yeah. Know, in this, it's yeah. Speaking of stylish, you are one of the most stylish people you know known on the internet. Yeah, fifteen hundred dollars um, shoes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> when was the last time? Sorry. sorry. <laughs> Do you want to up that amount? <laughs> Not at all. I want to. No. I want to actually lower I, it. <laughs> I, I don't think it's about the dollar amount. I, don't, sure. I think I think I think style has nothing to do with dollar amount. I agree. About how you wear it, right? Yes. Yeah, it's it's just how you express yourself personally, and and anyways, it's all good. Well, when was the last <laughs> time you wore a, a a hat, and when was the last time you wore sneakers? I wore sneakers when I went to Jamaica um, a couple months ago, but I actually put them on to go get a package. Uh, in the lobby two days ago. Okay. Vans. And I wore a hat. It's funny again, that too, because my girl brought that up. Because um, <laughs> she was like, yeah. And, and I mean, her and I had known each other a long time. but mm-hmm. And she was like, yeah, in 2008, we went to this Van- Vampire Weekend show and you might have been wearing a fedora. <laughs> Listen, first of all, like the whole style thing, like I'm uh, – thank you for that. But mm-hmm. like just for the record, like m- my w- – up until a few years ago, I really did not have it together, and it's very much like music for me. It's been a learning process. You know, I didn't, I didn't have any innate mm-hmm. stylistic disposition. I wasn't born with a tremendous music or a great musical talent, or I wasn't a virtuoso or anything like that. I learned everything, and I mean, stylistic missteps. I think I've had. I have a whole phone book of you know, that make me want to really just. That's um, what Throwback Thursday is for. So yes, and I, and I don't hide them. I wear them on my sleeve, but but yeah, and and in terms of style stuff now, I, I think it's just you know P and I. What we celebrate is 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 you know eminently personal uh, humor. Any eminently personal style that doesn't take itself too seriously, and. Yeah, I might have like stuff that's expensive or stuff that's not, but I don't think it's about the dollar amount. No. Mm-hmm. Is there anything of peas that you could find yourself rocking, including Zuba pants, Zubas, um. or like a braided, like long uh, beard? <laughs> I mean, now it's like I've got a diamond earring now, so like, and and you know, we both wear vintage T-shirts, so there's mm-hmm. definitely an overlap. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> In over your shoulder, you start off um, talking about Serena. Mm. As in Serena Williams, mm. uh, I don't know if you saw this today, but there were pictures of Drake and Serena at oh. a uh, Cincinnati restaurant making out. Nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Really? Um, do you uh, do you feel proud of your fellow countryman, Drake? <laughs> <laughs> uh, sure. I mean, <laughs> that's cool. Yeah. Um, wait. So which one was with Common? Uh, Serena, Serena, yeah. Okay, cool. So really, Drake like finally finished that beef off. Wow! Just, yeah. Finally, <laughs> finally. I'm so glad that, that beef is, is over. good with beef. Yeah, I never knew He's, things you should not bring up at uh at Fool's Gold this year. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I'm really looking forward to that. Same here. I think I think what if like what if Meek really crushes it? You know, yeah. which he might, and and or I mean, who knows? It, it, New York crowds are unforgiving, and and. You know, beef not well, notwithstanding, Meek's got great songs. He does, yeah. You know, but it it was definitely a bizarre episode. And um, well, how about this? Yeah. As a I Canadian, mean, next podcast, we'll, we'll yeah, do yeah. A whole yeah, 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 sure. Just one we'll last thing it. on this: as a as a Canadian, to see someone like Drake take his city to crazy levels, um. to have his own what Clark Kent called his own summer jam, yeah. Um, and this is all done within the last. Six years. Six years yeah. How does that like? Can you comprehend that? I can, and I can, and I really wish A Track and I would have done that in Montreal sooner. Mm. And we've been talking about doing it, and we want to do it. And that's really look. I mean, 
Drake came out the box with massive pop songs and massive resources and I mean massive rap songs and massive pop songs and and he had the means to go back to Toronto and shut it down. I came to New York and it took me 10 years to to get Chromio to where it is now <laughs> and it's still not doing Drake numbers. So I'm I want to go back to Montreal and shut it down with a track but it's going to take it's taking us a minute and we will and I I just think what he did is amazing. Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean it's look it's it's I mean, all those guys are just you know they're they're um, they set examples for, for and they're and they're motivating. You, mm-hmm. know, you look at that stuff and you're just motivated. So it's great. Yeah. Is it surprising to see a Canadian be aggressive? <laughs> um, Drake be aggressive is surprising to okay. me. <laughs> um, I knew a lot of gangster Canadian rappers mm-hmm. when I came up over there, so that doesn't surprise me. And there's, I mean, there's some. It's wild up there, you know. So like in in my city and in Toronto, in certain parts of Toronto, so it, it's totally as real as any other American city. Um, but seeing Drake really go in and get aggressive is not only surprising; it's also Impressive and wildly entertaining. Yeah. And, right? And yeah. So, and, and, and bring it on, dude. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know? And and hey, maybe somebody one day will... will Challenge him. Challenge him. Yeah, sure. And, and it'll be even more fun. I mean, that's what we want, right? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Absolutely. And I'm sure that's what he wants, by the way. Too. Yeah. I, I, mean, I bet he wanted... One, one thing I know, I know Drake. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I, you know, I, I've... I've uh, my brother, again, my brother knows him more than me, but like, I'm cool with Drake, and, and, and Drake, the first time I met him, he sang the whole Mama's Boy song to Whoa. Me, back to me, so yeah, so, yeah, I mean, he listens that's to really yeah, That's really dope. Yeah, it's really cool. Yeah, he's, he's an awesome dude, and what's great about Drake, and I think that's why, you know, he's winning now, is that Drake's in on the joke. Mm-hmm. Right. He's totally in on the joke. Yeah, yeah. And he gets it on so many levels. I mean, Kanye is like that, too, mm-hmm. you know, and, the, and there are guys that can be passionate, and then, in a blink of an eye make fun of themselves or self paradise yeah mm-hmm. and when you're able to do that you're stronger than anybody I, uh, yeah. yeah and i think we're all of a like mind well it speaks to us yeah yeah yeah, yeah. No, it speaks to us and i and, and and you know with with p and i i mean not only did we have to have thick skin when people didn't understand what our band was about in the early days but also we were able to actually exaggerate the stuff that people thought was campy about us to the point where it wasn't even campy anymore yeah it was just real yeah you know and it's cam with the, the pink right? yeah yeah <laughs> it's just, at one point you're just you got to embrace it and people stop thinking it's whack or corny or ridiculous and they're like you this is iconic right you know and it, that's it takes the them a minute to and catch up yeah well not the, yeah but that's the lit role right yeah yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> the world most the world's most iconic lit. that's right um dave we appreciate you coming back to the upper west side Yo, this with was us. awesome thank yeah. you i wish i mean it's like, and there will be a part two yeah because yeah, yeah. it's like there's I a lot like to cover really go in. oh for yeah, sure yeah, you know, yeah. Oh, well, I'm very happy that you got to meet Dan as well. Yeah, yeah. That's such a weird... Like, that was... By the way, for people who aren't seeing this, there's a plate of cut-up vegetables. We're sitting in a kitchen. In comes the third It's the Real with mm-hmm. a suit and mm-hmm. pants up to his abdomen. Mm-hmm. And he looks like the two other dudes. I mean, this is short film material. <laughs> this is like a short film right here. Anyways, oh, guys, man. thank you. like listening to comedy try watching it on the internet the folks behind the sideshow network have launched a new youtube channel called wait for it it's got interviews with comedians like reggie watts todd glass liza schleichinger slicing driving friends with her for 10 years one of the funniest people out there and i still have a hard time with the last name liza our very own owen benjamin that's me takes you on a musical journey down internet rabbit holes and much more you don't have to wait any longer. Just go to youtube.com slash waitforitcomedy. There's no need to wait for it anymore. Because it's here. And it's funny. And I love you. <laughs>